Hi, I'm Maz. And I'm Fatu. And this is Dinner Dinner Party Party History. History. And this week, we have a holiday coming up, Valentine's Day. The Day of Love. The Day of Love, but also the Day of, fuck, I'm still single. Oh. Well, both of those things go hand in hand. Do you have a Valentine this? No. Okay, you said that with a little bit of strength. (laughs) I don't have a Valentine's Day. Period. You may have a Valentine coming up. I don't think I will, and I don't care. My thing is, I didn't have a Valentine last year because I broke up with my boyfriend right before Valentine's Day, which I'm like, Ugh, I should have held out for a couple more How weeks. close to Valentine's Day? Like two and a half weeks, three weeks before. Oh, that was bold. I flopped, and you were my Valentine last year, and I'm just like, damn, again? <laughs> I, <laughs> no I'm shade. a great Valentine. There's a lot of people that would want to be. You know, I know there's some on your phone right now. I can name a couple. Anyway, we have jawline. We have t-shirt. We're gonna move. We on. have anyway. A little one. When you think <laughs> when you think about Valentine's Day, do you have any idea about the origins? Um, I feel like it's got to be some pagan shit or something the ancient Romans were doing. Pagan is such an interesting word because I feel like I grew up in a home where pagan was said a lot. But I, it really just means you're not a part of the majority religion. But it seems like such an insult. You automatically think about people praising idols or something. Right. And I mean, the people in your household saying pagan also didn't let you read Harry Potter. So, And again, that's not my direct parents. That was my grandparents. But regardless. God rest his soul. Yes. Yeah, so the origins, you were right. It does have a lot to do with the ancient Romans. But it's also confusing because there's so many conflicting stories about what the actual origins are. And I think that's kind of fitting that there's a bunch of false truths and misconceptions for a lover's holiday. Kind of fits the bill. Ooh, what do you mean by that? Lovers lie. But it all kind of starts. When's the last time you lied? To a man. Oh, my God. I'm not... Can we stay on topic? Okay, let's... Now, Lupercalia. We're in ancient Rome. And back in the day, I guess Lupercalia is a god. I've never heard of him. He's he's not one of the... Have you? No. Okay, well, he's supposed to be the god of fertility. But it... That honestly sounds like something you just made up right now. I know you didn't, but it sounds I, like it I is. I swear. Um, and on February 15th, they would always celebrate this god. And it started off with it just being about the fertility of livestock. It wasn't about, you know, people getting pregnant and stuff like that. And I guess they would all go into this cave where Romulus and Remus, were, who are the founders of Rome. But I guess that's where they were nursing off of the wolf. Lupercus was watching over Romulus and Remus while they were nursing off of the wolf's tit. Okay. What? You've heard that story, haven't no, you? No, I didn't. About the founders of Rome. It's they the were nursing off of a wolf? Romulus and Remus were supposed to be two babies, and they were found in Rome by this wolf. And the wolf somehow was able to take care of them and watch over them. And they would nurse her because obviously they had no other food. She doesn't know how to feed them. So she, they would nurse off of her tit. And that's the story of so the, the founders of Rome. the offered her breast yeah. to these two youngsters. Yes. We have to do let's, a whole— Let's carry on. Yeah, okay. That's, I'm going to dwell on that. Anyway, so they would go into this cave, and they would make all of these sacrifices for Lupercus. They would usually kill young dogs, puppies. So it's kind of dark, right? Killing young dogs, killing a bunch of animals, and then they would dress themselves. I hate that I had to go dark, but they would dress themselves in the, the blood of the animals and in the sheets of 
like the cloth that they had Jeez. skinned from the animals. Okay. And they would have a bunch of crazy rituals, but over time it started to get more about fertility of women. And these women would get really drunk and everybody would get naked. And then I guess these men would slap the women with the hides of the animals and the women would line up and want to get slapped because it was thought the more times you got slapped by the hides of the animals, the more likely you would be to get pregnant. You have a very unique and incredible way of sneaking in weird shit into every conversation you hold. But it's not... Well, that history is weird, so it's not my fault. I wasn't the one signing up for this. This is just what I found. I thought this was going to be about St. Valentine's, but that was not the case. And apparently, when the Christians came in, so now fast forward, it's like 400s, not 1400s, 400s. 400s. And obviously, the Catholics want to, they want to take charge in the best, I guess what they would do even with Christmas is they would try to kind of appropriate your holiday because Lupercalis was on February 15th, and this one pope, his name's Galatius I, he hated Lupercalis. He hated the pagans just in general. And so he decided to make February 14th, the day right before the party, a holiday, St. Valentine's. Oh. Cock-blocked. And I understand why he didn't like the holiday, right? It does sound pretty nefarious. Right. But they came up with all these different stories. I don't really know who St. Valentine is because there's three different St. Valentines in the Catholic Church and all of them are kind of the same. And I think they may all be the same person, to be fair. Or maybe he never even existed. I'm going to lean that way, but I think it may be St. Valentine is just the friends we made along the way. Yeah. So that is the history of Valentine's Day. And so as I was thinking about the history of Valentine's Day, my question was, so who the fuck is Cupid? Because when we think about Valentine's Day, we think of love and we think of Cupid. We think of like a cute little toddler baby kid with little arrows and like shooting people in the butt so they can fall in love, which is very romantic. And so in Greek mythology, Cupid was actually known as Eros, and he was the son of Aphrodite. But in Roman mythology, his name was changed to Cupid, and he was a son of Venus. The constant in both stories was that he was a son of the mythological goddess of love. Okay, I love that. And this, this, this Eros, or Cupid, whatever you want to call him, he was such a troublemaker. He would shoot a golden arrow to spark love and affection between people, and he would shoot lead arrows to ignite hatred and disgust. Oh, I didn't know he did bad things as well. Because I'm just like, hmm, who would I shoot a lead arrow at, and who am I going to shoot a golden arrow? So one myth is that he shot a golden arrow at Apollo, who fell madly in love with the nymph Daphne. But then, because he was a shitster, he shot a lead arrow at Daphne, so Daphne would be repulsed and disgusted by Apollo. So he's just causing divides. He's causing divide. And there is another legend where that Cupid's mother, Venus, became so jealous of all the beautiful mortal women, especially Psyche, that he told that she told her son to use his arrows to make Psyche fall in love with a monster, a big, scary, ugly monster. But Cupid was like, wait, I don't want to shoot her with a lead arrow or a golden arrow. I'm in love with her. So he fell in love with Psyche and they got married. And he was he still a baby? Because whenever I think about Cupid, I just think of a He churro. became a grown-up. Oh, he does. <laughs> but for whatever reason, he's immortalized into like this cute, adorable. Right, just a little nude baby a with angel baby. wings. 
So is do you have somebody in mind who you want to shoot with a golden arrow or a lead arrow? Because I have a couple. Not a golden arrow at the moment. No golden arrows? Not even like a celebrity. Like you're not going to shoot your golden arrow at like insert celebrity. I can't even think about it. I was really trying to think about who are my celebrity crushes that haven't been canceled. Oof, and it was really hard. That's hard. I was so in love with Johnny Depp growing up to the point that I had a picture of him. Oh, that's so creepy. But I did have a picture of him cut out in the shape of a heart in my lunchbox. A bitch like Helga from Hey Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> my mom did it for me. It's not – but I, I kept it there. I was grateful. Um, and then, you know, obviously I certainly don't have those feelings for him now. No. Um, and then who else? Tupac's dead. So I can't really shoot him. Yeah, tell me yours. You you know them more. Shot. I would shoot a lead arrow at my landlord. We did not say lead. We said oh, gold. Well, I said both. I would shoot Lead's a lead arrow easy. at my landlord. He get on my damn nerves. I just paid rent last week and I'm annoyed. I would shoot a golden arrow. Ooh, of that one guy who I showed you who we had messages between each other and we matched on Oh, that's app. a great one. Oh, I matched with this guy on Raya and I'm just like, can we just get married tomorrow? But... He so is a 10 a out of 10. Waiting on a proposal, but yeah. But if I could like pick like an actual famous person, I'm going to shoot my little arrow at... Daniel Kaluuya. That's so obvious. I want to think of some... Like, who else would I shoot it at? Oh, I would shoot mine at Skepta. Oh. Yes. Skepta. Dan- Let's get our British men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would shoot mine at Daniel Kaluuya. Double date. Or, I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm down to clown. I'd shoot my arrow at Bad Bunny. I'd have a fun couple months. Do you think he queer baits? A little bit, yeah. I think a lot of people are queer baiters. I hope you know he's what? I genuinely like, bi. Actually, you know what? I would shoot my arrow at Jacob Elordi. Hello. If During I could have- Black History Month? Oh, you're right. Ooh. Wow. In March, I would shoot my arrow at Jacob <laughs> Elordi. If that 6'5", tall, handsome man was in love with me, yeah, bitches would be so sick. They'd be shooting me with lead arrows just to piss me off. I'd be ducking and dodging them. Saltburn really had a hold on you. Saltburn really did have a hold on me. It really did. It's funny. Back to history. Back it to makes history. me think about if you wanted Jacob Elordi really bad. Instead, before Cupid came into the picture, people honestly thought that there was a myth in like the 1600s where it was thought the first woman who stands outside of a man's window on Valentine's Day was his one true love. And so bitches would do that Oh, regularly. I'd be knocking bitches out. <laughs> I'd be camped in front of that window like, it's my time. It's my time. Crazy. Again, it comes back to fertility. They thought that you were more likely to mate. All creatures were more likely to mate in February. And I wonder why. I guess this guy, Geoffrey Chaucer, he came up with this idea in his poem that birds are more active during Valentine's Day. I don't know if there's any signs to back it up. And it's like all these Probably people not. are mating during Valentine's Day. That's why we have all these freaking Libras and Scorpios. Knock it off. Oh, I didn't think about that. Stop doing that. We have enough. Scorpios are nice. Oh, they go. Anyway. Um, what's next, June? So how did we start celebrating Valentine's Day the way we do now? Because I feel like when I think of Valentine's Day, traditionally, it's like I was in school and my, I would beg my mom to take me to freaking Walmart or Target the day before. We get the little Valentine's attached to like some little candies. I write everybody in the class's name down and I'd make sure I'd save the special ones for my friends and my several crushes and give all the ugly ones I didn't care about to like the other people in my class. You'd pass it out and you'd collect your little Valentine's and see like who got the most Valentine's and stuff. But how did we get to that point? So 
Maz talked about the traditional history of Valentine's Day and these feasts and all the shit people were doing. And obviously, as time went on, it started to change and started to evolve and people were doing things for Valentine's Day. And in 1797, there's a pamphlet that was made, anonymously made, called A Young Man's Valentine's. And it it's published and then like a bunch of other similar manuals follow because in the original pamphlet, A Young Man's Valentine, the man who wrote it was complaining like, you guys are getting all these shitty, unoriginal Valentines from all these shops. They're not good. They're not from the heart. Like, what's up with these fucking Valentines? You need to do something real and make your own Valentine. Write something original. Write something sweet and write it from your heart. And so after that, everybody starts publishing all these other pamphlets. There's like a woman's version of it. And people start making these like really sweet homemade Valentines, cutting them up, doing all kinds of shapes and drawings, and writing like these very sweet verses to their honeys and their loved ones. And then... By the 19th century, it's what we start we start to get like what is closer to a modern day Valentine, like you know, a nice little card. There's like these really cool pop-up cards, like these heavy ass, like well-made cards people are putting together. And then by the 20th century, we're still going, we're still doing it. And then it starts going from not just like, you know, a Valentine to your loved one or the person you're trying to love you or fall in love with, but it's like giving friendship valentines, valentines to your family members and your other loved ones. And the tradition by mid-century starts moving to classrooms. That's when kids started making these homemade valentines. They'd have the little box and everybody would put their valentines in the boxes. That's very sweet. What do you remember about Valentine's Day in school? I, I mean, I remember... I honestly think about the Fairly Odd Parents. I got a really cool <laughs> set of Fairly Odd Parents Valentine's Day cards. And they, I also think about those little, what was the thing where they were like, people would always act like they were snorting them. Pixie they, sticks. Yes. <laughs> pixie sticks. They would Cocaine always have pixies. Pixie <laughs> they would always have pixie sticks. But candy was always shit for Valentine's Day. See, I hate chocolate, like cheap chocolate, but I would love Valentine's Day. Like my favorite candy would be these heart-shaped Jolly Rancher lollipops. I've Oh my God, I do remember yes, those. The heart-shaped Jolly Rancher lollipops, like Laffy Taffies. Oh, I hate Laffy Taffies. I love a Laffy Taffy or like little packs of Sour Patch Kids. And my thing is I love Valentine's Day. Even like when I, my last job was working at Google and a couple of friends would like exchange Valentines on the floor and I'd literally like go to the store and buy like candies and put people's names on it and pass it around the little desk. I love a little holiday. It is cute. And I also think about those little pink cookies, the sugar cookies. The sugar cookies. I used to fuck them. Yeah. Uh, those were really those good. Those nasty ass pink frosted cookies. It was like the white soft, super soft cookie. I wish we would. I think we should bring those to the office. That is so sweet. And like the little mini cupcakes with the ring yeah. inside or something. They don't do any decorations for Valentine's Day at work. Oh, see, at Google, they would they, they love a holiday. Google. Back at my old school, <laughs> at Google, they'd have like, you know, Valentine's Day desserts at the little coffee oh, shop. I, yeah. They'd have like I a Valentine's you. Day latte. Bitch, I hate me too. I don't work there no more. <laughs> you, you had it good. I had it good. But and now here I am hemorrhaging money making a podcast. <laughs> Obviously. But still we vibe. You said the sweet part about Valentine's Day cards. Give me the sour. But there's there's a sour part. You know, some would say like vinegar. And they were called vinegar Valentines. Because like you said, during the Industrial Revolution, this is when people go from handwritten Valentine's Day cards to I'm buying these these babies fresh off the press. And I do think it's kind of unfortunate because I wonder how much of it was like just capitalists being like, yeah. This is our opportunity. People are vulnerable. 
I definitely think there's a lot of that. Because even, I mean, isn't that a thing? I feel like we haven't had a break since Thanksgiving. It's just one fucking holiday after the other. We go from Labor Day to Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year's, You guys are robbing me blind. Now we finally have our break. And I think it coincides with tax season, you know, maybe for whatever reason. That's true, tax season. Mm -hmm. You're not getting this money. But usually you have to pay anyway, but whatever. My point is, okay, people, a lot of people were buying these in bulk and you could send them out anonymously. You could send them to your crush. You would be sending it to Jacob Elordi hiding behind the bush to see his reaction, right? But then some people use this for ill will, okay? And people started sending really nasty Valentine's Day cards. They were shooting lead arrows. (laughs) They were shooting lead arrows. And when I tell you some of these, these vinegar Valentine's, as they're called, would be something like this. To my Valentine, tis a lemon that I hand you and bid you now skidoo. Because I love love another. There is no chance for you. So be shit like this. And women would usually send this to their, the person who was trying to get their attention. Another one, this one personally hurts me the most. Tis all in vain your simpering looks with your bustles and your curls. You will never find a Valentine. I don't need to hear that. Did the curls that, really trigger you? It was the curls. It was the curls. It was the curls. You. And people would send that they would have special ones for a doctor. They would call people out for being a cheapskate. I mean, it was really bad to the point they really started to die down by the late 1800s because it was just causing such a scene. But it started to pick up a lot in the US. But then the same shit started happening where the kids actually ended up like being drawn. To these vinegar vinaigrettes, and they published this article because a lot of schools had to ban them. And I found this one 1895 kindergartner magazine, like for teachers. And the woman is writing about how a kind day of remembrance has turned into a day of wreaking revenge and how these kids would come up with the nastiest things and fights would ensue every Valentine's Day. I think we need to bring back vinegar <laughs> Valentines. I really think we should. You would be great at writing, and that's for sure. Because, oh, I have some scathing ones. I I have one that I would like to give to a certain waiter at a restaurant. Which one? I just feel like I come there consistently, and we're just never on the same page. It doesn't matter how many times I ask. I order the same thing, and it just— I'm trying to think. Are you talking about a squala? Yes. Which? Oh, that guy. He don't like us. I would give a sweet valentine to the shorter guy. Of course. The himbo, Rico Suave. Nice Absolutely. He's, Rico's getting a nice one. Yeah. Vinegar Valentine's. I think we should bring that shit back. I just want a sweet Valentine. <laughs> this year? You think you're going to have a Valentine this year in two days? What's going to happen? No. I am. You cannot go on a date with somebody on Valentine's Day unless you're serious. I think that's policy. I mean, man, back in the day, Valentine's, when I was in a relationship, weren't those the days. My first Valentine's with my ex-boyfriend, he got me a Prada wallet. <laughs> and now this Valentine's Day. God knows that I'm going to be editing this podcast on Valentine's Day and publishing it for the masses. But I'm like, no Prada wallet this year unless you buy me one. I know. Sorry. Unless our producer buys us one. Who's our producer? Him. Engineer, producer, engineer. I'll give him both titles. He said, ooh, bitch. He said, why the fuck He said, oh, we're on to the ad. (laughs) Here come our advertisers. So our love stories haven't been the best, but there have been a lot in history. We've got a lot of good stories. And I want to hear yours because I you gave me a little snippet of it yesterday. About my love story or one in The love story you're going to be talking about. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> bitch, 
What love story? We just talked about that. I have some love stories. They're just a bit more tumultuous. Tum- what? I thought you were giving a, a nice one. No, I am. I was talking about my personal ones, asshole. Oh, yeah. Our personal love stories, we're, we're going to need some liquor to tell those. I feel as though my favorite love story in history, well, one of them, is pretty basic. It is the story of Shah Jahan and Mumtaz Mahal, a.k.a. the Taj Mahal love story. And I feel like we all grew up hearing about it. Would you agree? I feel like I didn't even know about the story of the love story of the Taj Mahal until like three years ago, to be honest. So no. <laughs> okay. Well, I remember in school, we had to do a, like an art coloring workshop or something where we were watercoloring the Taj Mahal and the teacher was going on and on about how this was a, you know, a mausoleum designed because this king was so distraught over the loss of his wife and he built this to always me- like memorialize her. So already it's it's sweet, right? Right. That's dedication. But I also think just their whole story is sweet because it starts, let's go back in time, 1600s, okay? And we're set in Agra, India. And Shah Jahan at this point is a prince, but he is soon to become a king. And the way it's set up at that point is women of the court, they are confined basically in these, they have golden handcuffs. They're not allowed to leave the court ever. They're always forced to stay inside the palace. To accommodate the women, to make it a little bit more entertaining, they had these these bazaars that they would set up, which would be, think about like a flea market. Mm-hmm. And only women could could go to this flea market. Men were not allowed. Unless you were the king, the king was the only one allowed. Now, Shah Jahan, he wants to see some of the ladies, but he knows he's not allowed. So he dresses himself as a woman because, again, he's the prince at the moment. He's not the king. He gets put in his lady clothes, you know, shaves his beard down, and he scopes the scene out. And as he's, you know, eyeing up all the pretty ladies, he catches this one girl who's selling some silk scarves, and that would be Mumtaz Mahal. And I guess they... They write that they lock eyes, and he immediately feels like his soul has been captured. Okay? That's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's sweet. Start. And they honestly are super compatible from the beginning because it's not a star-crossed lover situation. She comes from a really good family. It's a good political setup as well. Perfect. So the parents approve. But he still pursues her for five years. And I don't know why that is. I couldn't figure that out. Maybe it's because he already had two wives. Oh. But that was standard. Whoa, 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 It was standard at You're the time. You're talking about an adulterer. No, it was standard. And it wasn't adultery because it was polyamorous, albeit one-sided. But that again— it's polygamous, <laughs> not polyamorous. Right. Unfortunately. I'd like to think the girls were hooking up with one another, but that probably wasn't the case. So, yes, polygamy. Okay. But Sister again, it's, it's 1600s, Okay. Anyway, they do get married, and although he ends up having five wives, Mumtaz Mahal, she is the head bitch in charge the entire time. He has hundreds of poems commissioned for her. He hires several different historians to write stories about their loves while they're still alive. He doesn't do this for the other wives, which also I feel like, why are you even adding on to the wives at this point if you're giving all of your attention to one person? I know. And you would think it's because of procreation, right? He Mm -hmm. wants to grow his line. He only had kids with Mumtaz Mahal. Okay, so he was in the polygamous situation, but he wanted to be in a monogamous situation. I I can't figure it out because... Also, they didn't have birth control back then, and it's not as though the other four wives are, you know, barren. So what's the tea? 
Maybe he was just holding. He was like, ah, oh, I really Natural. can't do it tonight. I don't know. I don't know. Weirded me out, but regardless, still romantic for for Mumtaz. But he basically puts her up in, in this position where she's almost like his. He, she really is his co-ruler. He gives her a lot of political authority. She's allowed to use the seal, which was really rare at that time. Whenever he goes away at battle, she accompanies him. And when I tell you they were busy at it like rabbits, she ends up dying because she dies in childbirth with their 14th kid. <gasps> 14. 14. They were busy. Very, very, very busy. And she tells him on her deathbed, she gives him three commandments. Never remarry, which is a bit extreme, especially, babe, he already, he already, he has, already has two has wives. Multiple. So that's where I'm like, maybe that was Cap. <laughs> <laughs> two, take care of our kids. Understandable. There were seven of them total because not all of them made it. It's 1600s. And then three, build a monument in my memory. Ah, so maybe she's expecting him like a little cute statue, like a park yes. bench where he can come. And he was like, oh, I'm going to build you a monument, babe. Well, yeah, and it's sweet because her real name isn't Mumtaz Mahal. He gave her that name because it means the jewel of the palace. Aww. And he would always call her that when they were together. That's so sweet. And I guess when she passes away, he's completely shattered. He's distraught for two years. He's just... It's giving All By Myself by Celine Dion. All By Myself with my four wives. Okay. Anyway, he commissions all of these people, the, the best architects he can find. And when we think about the Taj Mahal now, we usually think about just that white building. What I didn't realize is the emphasis that he put on symmetry because it was thought that if the building was completely symmetrical and to the point where even the trees that grow on each side, the gardens have to be completely symmetrical, it would bring balance and harmony and kind of restore their love in that way from what was taken from him, which was her in his mind. Wow, him and those contractors are so thoughtful. Yeah. That's really sweet. So that's what I'm looking for. Can Don't give me a Can you imagine dying and being one of the other wives and dying and being like, well, we oh can't my have three Taj Mahals. <laughs> that would be t- – they probably hated her, I'm sure. I mean, yeah. Because what's that one show about the guy that is married to multi- sister, sister wives? Sister wives, yeah. Isn't it now there's only one wife? I think they've all up and left. left. Maybe two. Yeah. But Can you have multiple Valentines or do you consider that to also be cheating? That's cheating. It's supposed to be like, will you be my Valentine? That's the question. It's like, if you ask somebody to be your Valentine, you're saying, will you be my Valentine? And I'll say yes, but I'm like, I might also have a couple. Because in grade school, when you're passing out Valentines, a lot of them say that. Of course, everybody would always be deliberate and intentional with which percent. Valentines they're giving. You're sending little subliminal messages. I'm giving you the cutest SpongeBob Valentine with oh, the yes. best. I'm giving you three Laffy Taffies instead of just one. If I really like you, I'm giving you a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. That's so sweet. Mm-hmm. But if anybody gives me a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, that's like shooting a lead arrow at me. I don't like Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. At all? But you liked the cereal for so long. That's that's delicious. That's the peanut butter chocolate flavor. That's different in the cereal. The chocolate, no thanks. But the cereal, yes, please. Okay, fair enough. So can you top my love story? Um, no, but I can give you one that people think is a really nice love story, but it really isn't. I think when people think of royal love, a couple they think of is um, Edward VIII and Wallace Simpson. And people think, oh my God, it's so romantic. He abdicated the throne for the love of his life. Wallace Simpson. How sweet is that? But the unfortunate part is, I mean, he did abdicate for her 
But she didn't like that man. She was sick and fucking tired of that man and was just kind of married to him out of just like, well, I found oh, I myself know in this spot. Here I am now. She did not love that man. Dearest. <laughs> I just always think about, have you seen The Crown? The actor that plays it, he always, dearest. <laughs> <laughs> I've not seen it. The only I've only watched like the most recent season of The Crown. I haven't seen like all the old shit. So he was shit. obsessed with her, but she wasn't with him. She was, okay, so let me tell the story of Edward VIII and Wallace. And we're going to do like a dedicated episode about this because, oof, the juicy, juicy tea. But let me just do the long and short of it. So, um, at the time... I'm just going to skip all of his childhood parts so we can see that for the actual episode. But so um, Edward VIII, before he was Edward VIII, before he became king, very temporarily, he, is, he, he was called David. His entire family called him David. So I'm going to call him David at the beginning, then I'm going to switch to Edward. So David knew he was going to be king one day, but he didn't really think about it too much. And he is growing up around the time of World War One, And so the issue is, after the war ends, all these monarchies are, like, dismantled. And so back in the day, there would be all, like, these, you know, countries where you could have marriages between young royals and, like, make these political marriages. But then, like, Germany, no more. Russia, no more. And so all these young, eligible princesses, they aren't there anymore. So it's like, what are we going to do? So then... David's dad, um, King George V, he changes up the rules so that, you know, his kids can marry well-to-do people, but they don't necessarily have to be like, you know, royals from other countries. We don't really have very much. But at this time, he's kind of dicking around. He's with all these other women. He's having all these other affairs. He really loved to have affairs with women who were already married. So it's like, okay, if we're messing around and you end up getting pregnant, well, you have a husband, so what? could be anybody's fucking baby. He was he was a what sicko. What a schemer. He, David. So he was doing all of that. And while this is happening, we have Wallace Simpson. So Wallace Simpson wasn't born Wallace Simpson. She was born in the States because she is American, mind you. And so she had two parents that were pretty well-to-do and came from wealthy families. But both of her own parents didn't, inherit any money like her parents like came for money but didn't actually have any money and when she's young her dad dies of tuberculosis and so her mom has to get a job and it's like okay what the fuck am I gonna do and so she grows up she becomes a teenager and when she's 19 she does the thing that all women at that time do when you know you want to put yourself in a better situation you're young you get married to someone rich so that's what she did she marries this man and he is this alcoholic naval pilot it's not a very good relationship and very early on into the marriage she's having affairs she has this affair with this italian man that was on the naval base this was during world war one and she gets pregnant with the italian man's baby and unfortunately she ends up having a botched abortion (sighs) which left her infertile allegedly i'm saying allegedly like she's gonna fucking sue me now she's dead but allegedly and so then after that, when the war is over, she gets divorced. And then after she gets divorced, a couple of years later, she marries a shipping exec named Ernest Simpson. That's how she gets the name Wallace Simpson. And then he, this man, Ernest, this must be like early on proof of the voodoo poon she had because this Ernest Simpson man left his wife and daughter to marry Wallace. So it's like, okay, early on we know she's got something going on. So they get married and they move to this super, super nice flat in London. And in 1931, she meets David. It's like a kind of a brief encounter, like a friend of a friend, they meet up and it's like nothing super serious. You just casually meet. Yeah, they're like meeting at a party or whatever, like they're in the same social circle. So then in 1934, David's mistress, Thelma, goes on a trip to New York. And mind you, this is like 
early 1900s. So it's like, if you're going on a trip to New York from London, it's going to be a long time. It's not just a quick flight. You're going to go. It's like, it's going to be weeks. And so while she's on her trip, Thelma tells her friend Wallace, like, yeah, take care of my, my, my boo, David, and kind of watch out for him while he's out. Like, Wait, watch him. out for him as in? You know, kind of like, you know, keep your eyes. Keep like, him entertained? If, yeah, keep him entertained, but like not do too much. Like imagine okay. me, if I'm gone for a month, I'm like, oh yeah, hang out with my, my boyfriend. I would I, never. I would that. That's no, fucking weird. That would be weird. But anyway, that was normal back then. So that's what she does. And bad idea, bitch. Thelma, you flop. You dropped the ball. You dropped the ball there. Because by the time Thelma comes back, she knows she lost him. Oh, She's shit. in Wallace's clutches. And they say David slash Edward VIII was really into being dominated and humiliated by women. And he really loved that Wallace did not give a fuck about him because she wasn't British. She's not from England. She doesn't really care about the monarchy. And there are some Americans that, you know, like kiss the ass of royals, but she really didn't care to do that. And I think she thought, he thought she was like playing hard to get, but like she really didn't fucking like him. Like people said oh, he was like gosh. really annoying and a bore to be around. Like literally our show's called Dinner Party History. Nobody wanted to sit by Edward during the dinner party because he was so annoying and awful. And so he's like so obsessed with her. And there are all these rumors that he couldn't get it up. He was impotent, but Wallace was the only one who could satisfy him and, you know, kind of help him get it up. And he became obsessed and he was tricking her out. He's getting her all these jewels, giving her all this money, letting her shop, all these things. And mind you, at this time, she is still married to Ernest Simpson. And Edward slash David, is paying Ernest to look the other way where it's like, yeah, I got your wife, but I'm going to pay off your shit. I'm going to give you money and we're just going to, you know, keep this thing going because you're not getting your wife mm -hmm. back. And he doesn't. And so she found him really boring and immature and made fun of him a lot. And she was thinking like, okay, I'm just going to ride this out for as long as I can because obviously he's going to, you know, leave me for somebody younger. I'm going to get my jewels. I'm going to move on. I'm going to go back to my man never happens. He was like, fuck that. I want to marry you. And obviously there's all this drama going on because this woman is like already been divorced once, currently has a husband now. And it's like, what are you doing? Like you are going to be king one day because you know, your dad is going to die and you're the firstborn son. You're going to become king. What are you doing? Like get your head in the game, go marry somebody who's actually of stature. Let's get this show on the road. It never happens. And in January, 1936, King George V dies. And so automatically David has to take the throne. And when he takes the throne, his royal name is Edward. And so he's Edward VIII. And so while this is all happening, you know, she's still married. Wallace is still married to Ernest. And so she's like, okay, to get everybody's, you know, sent off, I need you, her friend Mary, to keep my husband Ernest company while we're kind of getting this thing sorted out. And literally in an ironic full circle moment, Mary does to her what she did to Thelma. And she actually has an affair with her husband. And then so it's Wallace and Edward, but she doesn't really like him. And then it's Mary and Ernest. And Mary and Ernest are really getting along. And Wallace is pissed because she really actually loves her husband. Oh. And she's just with Edward for the money and the jewels and just wants to go eventually. But Edward will not fucking let her go. So she's basically getting her karma. And also, during all this story... She and Edward VIII are Nazi sympathizers. I just need to let that out there. Those <laughs> so don't feel bad for anybody, okay? He was a cuck and a Nazi sympathizer, all right? And so 11 months later, against literally what everybody wanted, 
he abdicates the throne and he eventually marries Wallace like a couple months later in June of 1937. And so his brother becomes King George VI and his brother is pissed because he never wanted to be the king. This is the king's speech. Literally. And he always just thought like, okay, my brother's going to become king. I want to live my quiet life with my wife, Elizabeth. We're going to raise our daughters together and live a nice, quiet life. He's pissed, but he's like, you know, I'm going to stand 10 toes. I'm going to be solid and I'm going to see this through. And he ends up, you know, becoming like one of the best kings in mm-hmm. modern history. People look back on him very fondly of all the things he did. He held shit down during World War II. He kept things going. That's a tall order. A tall order for some shit you didn't want to do. Like your bum-ass brother literally is going to become king and fucking squanders it. But again, because he is a Nazi sympathizer and a Hitler dick rider, it's good to think he didn't actually become king because God knows what would have happened, what he would have done. Because at this time, people don't know this story, but Wallace was having an affair with the ambassador, the German ambassador to the UK, and they were fucking around, and he would send Wallace 17 carnations every day, and the 17 carnations symbolized the amount of times they had sex. (gasps) (laughs) And Edward VIII does not fucking care, because again, he loves Wallace so much, and again, he's such a Hitler dick rider, and Hitler like brings them into his little circle, they're traveling together, they have this house in Paris, like they're doing all this shit. And it's just so confusing. And again, the whole time, Wallace is just like, oh, my God, I'm with this man. I don't want to be with Girl, him. Girl, at this point, I don't know that it should be an episode about King Edward, but maybe just we, we'll he's be- a side show. Pretty much. Wallace's episode. Pretty much. So Hitler basically kind of used them as puppets to gain control in the UK, and everybody knows it. And he's super excited because the people in Germany treat them like kings and queens. That's what he wanted because his family does not respect Wallace, and they don't treat her as a queen. Because even though he gave up the throne, he was still seen as his royal highness, Edward, but she— did not have the title of Her Royal Highness. And so he felt good that people loved him in Germany. So then to kind of make sure he's staying out of trouble doing all that Nazi shit, his brother makes him, you know, the ambassador, the governor of the Bahamas. So him and Wallace moved to the Bahamas, but he's so racist that he says all these horrible things about the locals in the Bahamas and all that shit. But there's like, okay, at least he's not, you know, being a Nazi, even though he still is a Nazi. And, you know, they live their long life together they're basically getting money from her, his brother, King George, and he's funding the lifestyle, giving them all the money, that eventually, in 1972, he dies. Ding dong, the wicked non-king is dead, and Wallace outlives him 14 years, and I'm sure she literally did that out of sheer willpower, because she's like, listen, I need some time away from your ass, you're finally fucking dead, I finally have some fucking time without you. And she's, you know, spending all this money, and still buying all these furs and clothes, they were spending way more money than they had, and were just asking the brother for money, like, constantly, I need more money, I need more money. Eventually, King George stopped taking his calls, because he's like, I've had enough. And then Wallace, I think she gets dementia. She kind of secludes herself. Then she dies 14 years after um, Edward. And the whole time while she's still alive and he's dead, um, Queen Elizabeth is funding her lifestyle. And so uh, Edward dies and he's buried in, like, you know, the royal royal estate, the royal mausoleum. And Queen Elizabeth was doing her bum-ass uncle assault and was like, okay, I guess I'll bury your fucking illegitimate wife right next to you too. And yeah. They are now laid to rest right next to each other. I wonder if that's what she wanted. Probably not. The whole time she just wanted to get rid of this man and take her jewels and her money. And I she had no idea she hated him she so much. She hated him so bad. 
so, so bad. Because I guess I've only read his letters to her. Nobody ever reads her letters if she even <laughs> was writing any because I'm sure she was like, hey, Bye. Edward, uh, again, <laughs> thank you for the necklace. Thank you for the shoes. Thank you for the rings. Uh, I do have a husband. Um, okay, but she did seduce him. She's, she, it, But she seduced him, but like I honestly don't think it took much. I think she was just giving him attitude, and he was just like, oh, my gosh, I'm, like, eating it Oh, up. yes, like, I love it. Literally, Give like, he more. was simping for her. He was literally, like, a cuck. Like, yes, Wallace, be mean to me. Call me a fucking idiot again. I fucking love it. Okay, that. but did he like it when she would sleep with other men I think in he front didn't of care. Him? I think he's like— Because that's what a cuck is. I think, yeah. I mean, so he, she was having sex with learned. that that German man and getting those 17 carnations. I'm sure he's just like, listen, she's in my bed at the end of the day, so it doesn't matter. She's no. my love. <laughs> Well, I think my love story was more of a love story, but I am I learned a lot about the strength of women. <laughs> my love story was a one-sided love story that people often get wrong in history. So the name of the podcast is Dinner Party Histories. So who are you inviting to your dinner table? Well, I will definitely invite Shah Jahan and Mumtaz. Although, What about the other wives? You're right. I should invite them because they've been neglected so much. Nice and I want to well. see what their dynamic is as a whole, as a community. Okay. And I will also invite, you know what? I will invite Lupercus, the Roman god, okay. if he's an option. Why not? Why not? Although he does have, I think his his face is supposed to be kind of like half animal. But <laughs> literally we're like vibing. Kira, half animal, half man. <laughs> yeah, he's a she-wolf. <laughs> and who else? I guess, yeah, I want to invite Wallace. Because I'm just like, you're a Nazi sympathizer and you were definitely racist. I want to get your tips and your t- tricks, seeing how you're getting all these men. Because she was having affair after affair after affair. And these men were falling for her. So I want to know, what's your secret? Put me on game. This is really a, a podcast about... Voodoo poon throughout time. Literally voodoo poon throughout history. How did they do it and what can we do? I think I'm going to invite for sure Cupid to my dinner party because I love mess. I love drama. And I'm going to be like, okay, I need you to shoot the Shaw and then shoot Wallace Simpson just for drama. I would just, I would do it just for fun. Both with gold? One, I'm Wait, say, are you trying to destroy the love that I just told you about? I want okay. What I would say is, I want you to shoot Wallace with the golden arrow, and then shoot the Shaw with the lead arrow, so he's so disgusted by Wallace, and Wallace can get rejected. I think you're bullshitting. I think you wanted to shoot. No, both of I don't them want them gold. to have a love story. I want me and the Shaw to have a love story. I want to have a mausoleum built after me if I die. So you're gonna try to beat pull a Wallace and seduce the Shaw? Yes. Yes, and I would invite Cupid. I would invite Wallace, but very briefly, and make her leave. Um, yeah, because they are Nazi sympathizers. They are Nazi sympathizers. I would probably invite King George VI. Why not? Right. And I want to invite whoever wrote A Young Man's Valentine, because I love the way he draggles people. Like, don't get these shitty-ass Valentines. Can you actually do something original that comes from your heart? You always buy cards, though. I buy cards, but I write very thoughtful and long true. messages you in my card. You write essays, right? I didn't. I don't just write Happy Valentine's Day, love you, and give you the card. I'm. I. I, get, I wrote you a poem last year. That's true. A very long. I'm poem. excited for this year's poem. This year, you're not getting a poem. Wow, <laughs> you're okay. not getting a poem. 
fine. Maybe I will choose a Valentine then. Hmm. Okay. Anyway. Do you have a fuck, Mary kill? I mean, if well, I... this one, I'm like, who? Yeah. A Nazi sympathizer? It, His well, brother? None of them are all bad. Like, we either have some good actors like Shah Jahan, and then we've got Edward, which that would just make it too easy for you. Because he's obviously going to die, so what's the point? Okay. How about this? I will give you either Lupercus, the god, who's half man, half animal, King Edward, or, hmm, I've only got one left. And who's bad? I'll do the women. Scratch that. Okay. You can either have Mumtaz Mahal, you can have Wallace, or you can have Queen Elizabeth. I know she was brought up briefly, but... Um, I'm obviously going to kill Wallace, Nazi sympathizer. Again, before I kill her, how did you get all those guys? I have to ask her. Killing Wallace, I'm going to marry Mumtaz. I guess fuck Queen Elizabeth. That doesn't seem like it'd be fun, but I just get it in and get it out. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, we need to have sex so you can have sex with somebody other than your fucking cousin. Make it those weird ass looking fucking kids. And on that note. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. We hope you all have a very happy Valentine's Day, whether it's Galentine's, Valentine's with your honey, your boo, or if you're alone, like us, just vibing. It's just another Wednesday for us. Love you all. Thank you, especially all of our five-star reviewers. If you like our podcast, please give us five stars. Bye. Bye.